Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze, and it felt a little like... <laughs> Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Welcome to Rossin to the Rescue, my podcast about the secrets to avoiding everyday dangers and worst-case catastrophes. I'm Jeff Rossin. You may know me from NBC's Today Show. I have a consumer investigative segment called The Rossin Reports. My new book, Rossin to the Rescue, is out now, and I really hope you check it out. Lots of great stuff in there. I'm here with Kara Rota, my co-host. How are you doing, Kara? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well, too. Uh, so I want to ask you a question as we get this going, because we're talking about vacations today. Do you get to take a lot of vacations? You strike me as a workaholic. I actually went on a really nice vacation this summer. I went to the Pacific Northwest, and I went camping with my mom for oh. about a week. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Brought mom along. Well, today we are talking about tips for how to make sure you have the best kind of vacation, whether you're doing that or whether you're going to the beach. Um, so I want you to imagine that you're not on that on that trip, but you're somewhere nice and tropical. Can okay, so I'm first imagining that I'm going to pack my sunscreen because yeah. that's the first thing I think ah, of. Ah, sunscreen. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the first thing I want to talk about. In a tropical location, that's the first thing many of us think about, the sunscreen. And you know there are like a million, maybe even a zillion, that's that's official, a zillion sunscreen options. SPF 30, 50, 70, 80, even 100. I think I've actually seen like 100 plus uh, for and they SPF. have they have all those different formulations. I think I have about six bottles at least. Right, it's like cream, the cream, the yeah, spray, and the spray, the all face that. one. Exactly. Like, yeah. And generally, generally, it does get more expensive the higher the SPF is. How do you know what's really going to protect you? Is SPF a real thing? Yeah, look, SPF is a real thing. We went to a dermatologist and asked that exact question. Like, at what point is this getting ridiculous? She told us uh, what she tells her patients, that SPF over 50 is useless. So I want to I say that again. Anything over SPF 50 is useless, according to this expert. It turns out that even double the SPF doesn't mean double the protection. Wow. Are you getting like a third more? No. If you, buy, if you buy SPF 100, for example, instead of SPF 50, you'd think like, oh, I'm getting like double the protection, right? No, you're getting about 1% more protection. There is no evidence that anything over SPF 50 protects you better, even though you're paying a lot more for it. And sunscreen companies market the products to make it seem like they're providing extra protection. Yeah, it's marketing, right? That's that's exactly what this is. They're trying to get you to buy their stuff. It's the same reason they use to put, you know, on, on I'm sure you've seen on your on your sunscreen, you know, waterproof and sweatproof on the bottle. We asked the dermatologist about those words too. She told us no matter what your sunscreen bottle or tube is telling you, waterproof and sweatproof sunscreen just doesn't exist. If you go in the water and swim, or if you're outside and get really sweaty, you are going to lose whatever sunscreen you put on, and you need to make sure you reapply no matter what the bottle says. I'm so mad because I'm thinking about those sunscreens that say active as if they're specifically right. for working on and exactly. sweating. Has the FDA, which I assume regulates sunscreen, done anything about this? It, there is some good news here. There is some good news. They actually have. They proposed new rules that would ban labels that confuse and mislead us, which is really cool. They've already banned the use 
of waterproof and sweatproof on packaging. So that's a win. Sunscreen companies can say water resistant now, but they have to indicate how long it remains effective. So that we are moving in the right direction here, but it's still I, th- I still think water resistant. It's you have to reapply it after you get out of the water. That is really good to hear. And this is something that affects a lot of people. One in five Americans get skin cancer over the course of their life. And this is something, as you wrote about in the book, that's actually very personal for you. It's about as personal as it gets. And I, I talked about it for the first time. Let's listen to a clip from the audiobook, and you can hear it for yourself. I'm going to tell you something I've never shared before. I had skin cancer. One day, I noticed a tiny brown mark above my belly button. You should get it checked out, Danielle told me. Problem is, I'm stubborn. Oh, give me a break, I told her. It's fine. I don't have time to see the dermatologist. Doesn't look that bad. If you were on TV right now, you'd be telling someone to get this checked, she snapped back. So why don't you take care of yourself? I promised I'd keep an eye on it. Code 4, get off my back. Months passed. I didn't see much of a change. We look at our bodies every day and don't notice those incremental changes, right? We're mired in our routines. Shower, brush hair, brush teeth, deodorant, get out the door. We never really look at ourselves. But one day, about two months after Danielle's first plea, I remember coming out of the shower, catching a glimpse of myself while toweling off, and I freaked out. The spot had become bigger, much bigger, and darker, much darker. So I finally gave in. I got tests, and soon the doctor told me it was melanoma, the worst possible kind of skin cancer you can get. As an added bonus, this increases your chances of getting cancer again in the future. The doctors dug it out. They did more biopsies, and they dug deeper. They did more biopsies. They dug even deeper. And then they kept digging until they got a clean reading. Now, every six months, I'm in the doctor's office for a scan, ever vigilant, waiting for it to come back. I'm so glad you ended up being okay, but that's Thank a you. great reminder for everyone to wear sunscreen and to make sure you pay attention if you see something about your skin looking a little bit different. Couldn't have said it any better, so I won't. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more tips to make the most of your vacation. We're back. So we've been talking about how you can protect yourself from the sun, but there's another big concern that you tackle in the book, and that's being safe in the pool or the ocean. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be the fun police here. But I, I love the pool in the ocean is fantastic. I, I I grew up swimming, so when I give you this stat, it's not because I'm saying don't swim. It's because I'm saying when we swim. We have to be careful, and we're going to teach you ways to be careful right here. That's practical. Every year, there are three thousand five hundred thirty-six deaths by drowning. That's about 10 per day. And kids under five are actually the group that's most at risk. Accidental drowning is the number one killer of kids between one and four years old. And more kids die in swimming pools than from guns every year. Think about that. Think about on the news, how you hear all the time about, you know, kids being shot by guns and stray bullets. More kids die in swimming pools than from guns every year. What are some steps that parents can take to keep their kids safe around water? Well, the number one thing is we all think about drowning as being really loud, right, from the movies and TV shows. Like the kid, I'm, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, somebody save me. That's actually not how it happens. Oftentimes, it's very silent. The person drowning can't breathe. And when you can't breathe, you can't scream out for help. Most of the flailing, in fact, is happening under the water, so you may not even notice it as easily 
uh, on the surface. What's the first thing you want to do if you think you notice someone drowning? Um, if you see somebody struggling like that, the first thing you want to do is have someone call 911, either you or somebody else. Scream out, call 911, because you want to get that ambulance and the paramedics on the way as soon as possible, uh, because a lot of life or death or whether you get to keep your brain function or not is how long you go without oxygen. So you want to do that. Next, you got to get that person out of the water. Then you might think you have to give them mouth to mouth because that's what happens in the movies, right? right? That's yeah. what you always see. Well, our team spoke with a certified lifeguard. He told us that if you have an unconscious person, what you actually want to do is chest compressions, which is going to help keep the brain alive until the ambulance arrives. Now, look, if you know CPR, that's fantastic. Do full on CPR if you can. Um, and if you want to try the breaths, that's fine, too. But the chest compressions, according to this expert, are the most important right in the beginning. So what you want to do is you want to find the base of the rib cage. Feel around for the rib cage. I'm doing it to myself right now. You can't see. Two fingers above the little notch at the bottom of the rib cage. Place the heel of one of your hands right there and the other on top of the other hand, lacing your fingers. Then you do the compressions. And that's not a bad thing to practice. We're yeah. practicing right now. Yeah, Just and, get and, the hang of it. And we talked about, and the, the number one question I always get is, well, how hard am I supposed, can I hurt them? Look, you may end up hurting them a little bit. And the expert says that that's okay because we're talking about trying to keep the brain alive, which is more important than maybe hurting a rib or breaking a rib. They, and I, he said you should do it about as if you were squeezing the water out of a Nerf ball. So that's about the, the level of aggressiveness you want to use. And to try to help prevent drowning in the first place, are there any gadgets that can help protect your kids if you have a pool and you know they're going to be around one? Yeah, there are actually a a few cool gadgets that we found. Uh, There's a camera called the Pool Watchdog that's basically a lifeguard. It's a camera that sends a notification to your phone if something goes wrong. Uh, That's really cool. There's the Pool Guard Safety Buoy that senses motion inside the pool and sends you an alarm through speakers you install in the house if it detects anything. So if you're inside cooking, all of a sudden an alarm goes off if there's even a little wave in the pool if somebody fell in. And then there's the safety turtle, which is a little wristband that goes off if it hits the water. So you can put it on your kids and they can run around all afternoon with it. It's like a little, looks like a little turtle. It's kind of cool. The kids don't mind wearing it. And if they jump in, uh, an alarm goes off. All of these are under $200, which is kind of nice. Pretty good. Well worth it. And safety turtle sounds adorable. I kind of <laughs> want one. Yes. Well, I hope, I hope all this helped. That's what we're here to do. I really appreciate everybody listening. Let us know what you think about the show. Leave a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And check out Rossum to the Rescue for more tips and tricks. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze. And it felt a little like... (laughs) Time to go. Okay, kids. Back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western.